The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. It's time now to open God's Word together, and so let me invite you to to take your hand and open uh, your copy of God's Word to Psalm 90. Uh, It was in our call to worship, and uh, our opening hymn is based off of these words in Psalm 90. Psalm 90 in your Bible, it's on page 496 of your pew Bible, uh, or whatever Bible you have. And uh, as I regularly try to do, let me encourage you, it's a great practice to, to bring your copy from home uh, here to church with us, uh, and so that you can follow along in, in your personal copy, but even if you don't, uh, make sure you stretch out your hand so you follow along with us as we read and hear God's Word. And uh, as you've opened to that place, uh, I'm, I'm admitting to you something that, uh, that it is my tradition, and I don't know if... Some of you have noticed, maybe you forgot what the Advent sermons were all about, but I am of the practice of preaching Psalm 90 in the first Sunday of every year, and I've done that for about seven years in a row, five, six, seven years in a row. Uh, And and that's not because I don't know what else to preach, uh, but it's because actually American Presbyterianism as a practice uh, does this historically, and hopefully for reasons which will be very clear. And uh, over the years, we've focused on particular aspects of this psalm. Uh, this morning, we'll be focusing especially on just one verse. But in, in preparation for all of that, um, this psalm makes me think of those wonderful experiences that we have. Uh, oftentimes, it's usually in nature, I think, wonderful experiences that make us feel wonderfully small, that we enjoy, right? Like, perhaps uh, seeing the, the grand mountains or standing at the ocean side. Whatever comes to mind when you think of the natural experience of seeing the grand world that God has made and then feeling yourself in comparison to all of that, you feel so small don't you but it's a it's a delightful sense in one in one thought of it because you're saying wow look at this world and I feel so small in relationship to it what a wonderful thing that God has made and I'm just one part of it now that's a voluntary experience that you enjoy right that's a good thing but we also have that same experience in a involuntary way when we feel small or powerless and we did not choose that type of experience. Now, what comes to mind for me when I think of things like that is uh, the risk that we take when we subject ourselves to the timing and decisions of airlines, right? How many of us have been stuck in an airport absolutely powerless to affect any change upon a circumstance, right? You realize that uh, sitting on a tarmac is like voluntary kidnapping. You can't do anything about it, and you are utterly powerless. You didn't choose it, but you have the same sensation in an involuntary way. That would be one example. But I think even more seriously, uh, when we experience perhaps standing by the bedside of a dying loved one, we feel, in a way, utterly powerless. And we did not choose this. And we experience that reality of feeling small or powerless in a helpless way. And we rage against that inside. Well, whether we have those experiences of feeling helpless or powerless or small in a voluntary sense of choosing it and delighting it or an involuntary sense, all of those things actually have something to do with with what Psalm 90 is trying to teach us 
as a Christian person, as the people of God. What it's like to live in the world and realize that you are not the measure of all things. That there is something so much bigger than ourselves. These realities bring us to Psalm 90. And as I said, we're going to be focusing on just one part. But just briefly, as you glance back over the psalm, and we're going to be reading it here in just a moment, this psalm is filled with wisdom. And every single line has something to say. And so as we prepare to hear God's word, let me first pray. And then we'll read it. And we'll go back over a few things, but especially focus on verse 15 this morning. I'll give you that ahead of time. Verse 15. But first, let's pray and ask God's blessing upon his word. Well, Lord God, we, we bow in your presence, thankful that you've called us here, thankful to be among your people. Thankful to be gathered in this sanctuary among the glory of your church. And so, Lord God, as you have called us here, we pray now that you would speak to us. Speak to us powerfully in the scriptures. Speak to us tenderly to our hearts in ways that we need. Speak to us with conviction and speak to us with comfort. Speak to us according to our need and speak to us, Lord, according to the truth that we need to know. And so, Lord, illuminate our minds, open our ears, that we might hear and delight in your truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And now hear again God's word in Psalm 90, from everlasting to everlasting. This is the word of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. And they are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever and ever. And so we continue to give our attention to it. Just to highlight a few things here, uh, I imagine... Uh, one verse or two might jump out at you, whether it's familiar to you or maybe something that especially connects to you. Make special notice of what this psalm is all about. 
In verse 2, it's about the eternality of God. Before anything existed, God is. He has within himself eternal existence. He is not made. He is not created. All things that exist come into being through him, the uncreated one. In verses 3 to 6, then, in response to that, uh, amidst the eternality and uh, the, the self-existence of God, there is the delicacy of our existence. The delicacy of our existence in verses 3 to 6. You return man to dust. Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. Uh, the year 2020, and in our lifetime, it might seem like uh, it's come and gone, or maybe it seems like 2020 is, is so long from years that you remember, or maybe so long from years that you're anticipating, but what is a thousand years in relationship to God's self-existence? It's but a moment. As we enter another decade, we remember that God is outside of time, and we are delicate as we exist inside of time. Our lives are delicate. They are also, in verses 10, 11, and 12, they are also in relationship to eternity, very brief. Our lives are brief. Verse 10, the years of our life are 70, or by reason of strength, 80. So, verse 12, Teach us to number our days. This psalm is reflecting on the fact that, that God in his appointed providence has fixed for your life a number of days. And, and that's a truth perhaps that, that you need to, to, to meditate upon, to think on. But what I wanted to actually focus on is in verse 15. And here's the reason why. Uh, you and I need the wisdom of Psalm 90 this year, just like we need it at the beginning of every new year. We really need it all the time. And the reason why especially I want to focus on verse 15 this morning is that I have heard so many people uh, in recent days, and noticeably more than I've ever had listened to in different years, talk about how thankful they are to leave 2019 behind them. Uh, more often than I remember... People think about 2019 with uh, sorrow and sadness, perhaps. Uh, maybe that's the case for you. Maybe it's not. But we all know the experience of looking back and being glad to leave things in the past, pains and struggles. And I think so oftentimes the new year brings with it this sense of optimism that we look forward and think, this is my year, right? And none of that stuff that affected me in the past is going to happen this year. I'm going to leave all of my pains and all of my sorrows and all of my trials behind me and I'm forging on into new territory where there's only endless bliss. And it's January 5th, right? And has that been true for you? Now, I'm not trying to burst the bubble of your New Year's joy. I'm really not. I'm trying to bring a sense of biblical realism into the understanding of our lives and our days and the wisdom that God gives to us that is supposed to shape us as Christian believers because we should have a different disposition about the change of the calendar and a change of season and looking forward than our unbelieving friends and neighbors. That's why verse 12 is saying to us, teach us to number our days. 
Verse 10, we reflect on the fact of however long our lives is, however many days, however many years, what we want, what we want so desperately is what verse 17 says, for the favor of God to be upon us. We want 2020 to be a year of God's blessing, of God's favor, but how will we reckon with the struggles of 2019 as we look to 2020, and and how should we think of these things as biblically-minded Christian people, and what does verse 15 has to say to us about how to do that? Look again at verse 15. I want to linger on this. This is a, a meditation for our communion service as well. In verse 15, Moses prays, Make us glad, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Here you have gladness and affliction next to each other. I wonder if if you were sitting across from a friend with Psalm 90, how would you explain what verse 15 is all about? What is, what is Moses saying and what does this aspect of this prayer in Psalm 90, what does this mean? It might seem somewhat strange. Maybe you're asking, does God afflict us? Is God the one that does the affliction? You think oftentimes that people have this mindset that the good things that happen to us are a result of God's hand of blessing and anything bad is just... Bad luck. As if to say that, that God is in control of our lives insofar as the good things exist, but he is not in control and he is hands off the wheels when it comes to days of struggle. But there's this challenge here for us in verse 15, especially if you're a person who feels a weight of sorrow or sadness or grief or pain or struggle from 2019. Is it possible? Is it possible that whatever it is from 2019 that you are so thankful to leave behind has been used by God to shape you, to change you, to make you more like Jesus, to make you desire more the things that God desires and make you into a more sincere Christian person. Do you view your afflictions and trials as kindnesses from God's sovereign hand to shape you? Or do you only like the good things? You know, we live in a fallen world and we we are squaring with these realities that there is sickness and sorrow and suffering and death in the world. And as a reasoning Christian person, the response to that isn't to put our head into the sand and act like nothing is happening, but rather to engage a biblical worldview and say, how should we face these things and what do these things mean? What Moses is doing here is he is praying on behalf of the people of God that God would add to the days of affliction, days of joy, right? That's what he's saying in verse 15. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. He's doing a bit of algebraic uh, balancing, right? Lord, there have been days of affliction. There have been days of trial and there have been days of sorrow. But Lord, may there be in equal measure days of gladness. Lord, 
make sure these scales balance out, that there are many days of gladness as there are days of sorrow. And when Moses prays that, I wonder, do you believe that that can be true? And is that really the case? And, and, and should that be our mindset? Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. You know, Moses is writing Psalm 90. It's, it's one of the oldest portions of Scripture, actually. It's one of the few Psalms that Moses writes. He is writing this in the midst of a period of the Old Testament that uh, we may be more or less familiar with. As you go through the story of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Moses is writing this psalm in the period of time between the books of Numbers and Deuteronomy. And what has happened is that, of course, God's people had been subjected into slavery in Egypt. And God had delivered them faithfully with a strong hand. Do you remember all of that? That they were in Egypt under the yoke of slavery and God delivered them into the wilderness and was going to take them to the promised land. But the generation that were grown as they came out of Egypt into the wilderness spent their years complaining and spent their years frustrated with God and bitter, even saying to God, why did you bring us out here to die? It would have been better for us to go back to Egypt and be slaves. And the book of Numbers is all about how one generation of Israelites passes away. So that the successive generation that didn't bitterly complain that generation would be the one to enter the promised land. And the book of Deuteronomy is Moses recounting all the truth that that generation needs to believe and obey in order to not receive the same experience as the former generation. And so when Moses is writing these words, he is reflecting on the fact that an entire generation of God's people has passed away. And when we do the math, it's literally millions of people. And this psalm is Moses reflecting on the passing of time and the passing of days and the passing away of an entire generation that is supposed to make us stop and press forward with wisdom and faithfulness. And in all of that, we think of the fact that time has passed, hasn't it? The generation that's here worshiping in these pews doesn't look exactly like the generation from 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 180 years ago. The generations have rise, risen and fallen, and the times and seasons have changed, but God has stayed the same. And what every generation needs is to fix their hope upon this God. And so Moses is saying, and he is praying on behalf of the people of God as he thinks to the Lord and thinks to his kindness and thinks about the fact of what this generation needs if they're going to press on in faithfulness. And he is praying, Lord, you, you have been faithful to us in our afflictions and our sorrows and our suffering. It might not feel like it, but it's true. You know, that's, that's something that, that we as Christian people have to learn to do. That it is possible that the truth of God's word needs to rule over our feelings at times. We may not feel like God is working out all things for his good purpose. And we may feel like he's lost control and he doesn't know what he's doing. 
But Moses is praying, Lord, you have been faithful to us in our seasons of affliction, and you have been faithful in our sorrows and in our sufferings. And so, Lord, as you have been faithful, continue to be faithful to us, but, Lord, lead us out of suffering and sorrow and lead us into joy and lead us into gladness. In other words, help us to live by faith. Help us to live by faith for whatever your hand brings into our lives and make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. Lord, help us to receive from your sovereign hand both the bitterness and the joy. I wonder if if you can do that or if you perhaps struggle to do so. It's okay to pray, Lord, I don't like this and I'm struggling but help me to trust you. That's a faithful prayer. But to face whatever it is that we're so anxious to put behind us and rather than shove it away and think, oh, that's gone, we're on to new things, but to look back and say, Lord, even in my afflictions, you've been good. And you've been faithful, but Lord, lead me on into days of joy. And you know what? There is more than just these days of afflictions and days of sorrows because... It's just a matter of fact that joy follows trial and reward follows work. And we know how this pattern works. But you know what the New Testament says about the days of joy that are coming following the days of affliction? Moses says, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. He wants the scales to to balance out to zero. Days of joy, days of affliction. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.17, 4.17, he says this, He says, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us a weight of glory beyond all comparison. You see, the Apostle Paul is helping us to understand that the days of affliction and the days of joy actually don't balance out just to zero but the days of joy actually far outnumber beyond anything that you could possibly imagine what he calls this light momentary affliction. And so as a Christian believer looking at the year ahead, if you begin to see the world in this way, are there days of trials and sorrows? Yes but what are they actually in comparison to the hope of glory that that awaits us? Light and momentary. And the wisdom from Psalm 90 is saying, Lord, you are faithful in both seasons. And we have even further illumination to tell us that the sorrows that we feel are nothing in comparison to the joy that awaits us. So what I want to say to you as your pastor is that there is no promise to you Isn't this encouraging? There is no promise to you that 2020 is going to be a pain for a year. But isn't it better to live under that truth than some false illusion? Right? There is no promise to you that 2020 is going to be a pain and sorrow-free year. But there is every promise to you in Jesus Christ that whatever you go through, he is with you. And he is working out a good purpose for whatever it is that you face. And he is inviting you through that season to trust him so that 
his favor would be upon your life. Don't you want that? I want it for us as a church, as a people, and I want it for you and me individually as well. And may God's favor be upon you in 2020 as we live in the light of his sovereign hand. Let us pray. Our God, we are thankful that you do not change, that you are eternal, and that in every season of our lives, uh, you are ever faithful. And so I pray, Lord, that you would nurture and nourish our hearts today with this truth that you are our hope and you are our strength and that you give us a, a vision to see beyond the things of this world. And Lord, that you would fill us with steadfast faith and hope. And so now, Lord, bless your people, we pray, in the power of Jesus' name with this great truth. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.